Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. One minute at a time. And this week we are on minute number 75 and there is quite a bit to unpack in this minute. There's a lot going on, yeah. I have a lot in the book too, like a lot of internal thoughts, some scenes that are cut out of the movie that are in the book, so... This is going to be a big one, I think. Yeah, Santa returns in this minute. So does Joe. Mm -hmm. So let's dive right into minute 75. I will will describe, like usual, what's happening on screen. And then you uh, tell me what's happening in the book at the same time. Okay, so as far as that goes, I have stuff in the book that is happening um, before this minute starts. Or as it's starting i guess that is not in the movie the beginning of this minute uh patch is flying out of the toy company which is where we left off last week where we pick up this week okay okay so as patch is flying which you're gonna describe in a minute bz is uh talking to his his gaggle of employees in the what they call in the book in the hangar so i want to read that he did it bz shouted shouting with something besides anger for the first time in years as he realized that all his trouble and expense had actually paid off after all that little son of a gun he said he'd do it and he did it the patchmobile was more unbelievable than anything he had ever dreamed of If Patch's puce pops were even half as remarkable, he was set for life. His hands clenched, clutching fistfuls of imaginary dollar bills. So BC was super excited. It does sound like it. I I think he's uh, getting a little premature excited, though. See, I feel like this is where they could have done the BZ... And Cornelia bit. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is where it would belong. As Patch and uh, Santa are out delivering stuff. I would think this would be the time in which you would have that scene. Not before. You know what I mean? I agree. He could have gone home. Yeah. He could have gone back to his townhouse. Right. Because he's so excited. Yeah, as opposed to bouncing around the city, as he seems to have done in the movie timeline. So in my mind, that's how it happened. That Cornelia scene has happened after Patches in the Air. I think that's how it should have gone. That's how it's going in my mind, whether it is real (laughs) in the movie or not. So is there anything else in the book before our minute picks up here? Well, I also have um, something about the North Pole, but I don't know. Should I read that now? Yeah, let's let's get it out of the way. Okay, all right. I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase cuz it's actually a really long paragraph. But basically far away at the North Pole, they try to do the traditional cheery send-off that they always did with Santa that we saw in the movie in previous minutes, but they just couldn't do it with the same enthusiasm without Patch being there. So it like set off the whole night as being kind of off for Santa. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could I could picture that. So yeah. after he left the room earlier saying, like, I have my job to do, I'm going to do it like I always do it. And yeah. maybe the, all the owls are kind of half-heartedly doing the dun-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Right. 
yeah. feeding the reindeer and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So everything was a little bit off. I guess that would explain uh, Santa's mood in this minute a little bit more. So our minute begins, like you said, as the patch wheel. We see it leaving the toy warehouse or the hangar, I guess, as the book calls it. Yeah. It has successfully launched and it's flying from BZ's toy factory slash warehouse slash hangar which the book has established is on Long Island. Mm -hmm. And he is flying towards New York City. And you have figured out what body of water Patch would be flying over in this minute, most likely. I think it's just the New York Bay. You know, because we're just kind of trying to figure out where everything is. But from the, the skyline that you see in the direction that he's flying, it looks like that's just the upper New York Bay. Because the other side of Manhattan is the Hudson. But I believe we're not on the Hudson side. I believe we're on the Bay side. So Patch must have hit something in midair to give it a little extra boost. Because the engine, like, give that little poof, poof. Give it a little extra boost of speed. And Patch lets out a Yahoo! Now last week I compared this shot... To the DeLorean hitting 88 miles per hour. And that little extra boost, you know, if somebody who, was, who wasn't concerned about copyright strikes on YouTube, if they could sync up the music from Back to the Future to this, you know, the da na 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 Couldn't you see that for this yeah, particular shot? I could, yeah. And this obviously has to be a uh, miniature patch mobile. You mm-hmm. know, like they built a miniature sleigh for special effect shots. And I've been meaning to bring it up the past couple of weeks. It's like the whereabouts of the full-size Patchmobile are currently unknown. I have no idea where this thing ended up or if it even still exists. You would have thought it would be something that they would have held on to, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I don't know where it could be if it's not at Pinewood, but you would think that they would hold on to that. You know, almost... Like, the other recording studios, they have, like, a lot of cars, you know, from movies and and shows and stuff that they just keep. I would think that that would be one of them. And I've also, like, looked around the internet to see if it ended up in the hands of a collector or, like, a Hollywood-type car museum. You know, those vehicle museums where, like, Mm. oh, here's the Batmobile. Right. And here's this car from this movie. But I can't find anything with the Patchmobile. Did it end up in collector's huh. hands? Did it get destroyed? You know, even if they weren't going to use it in another movie, that, that you would think that would be something that they would trot out. It was so unique for, like, a parade or I don't know. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. That That's a very good question. Like, where could that possibly be? If, if the prop culture guy is listening, if by mm. chance that guy, I bet he, he would know where it is. Probably. He's I'm probably even, seen it. <laughs> maybe he... Or at least a miniature version, because we know the miniature Santa sleigh, it's in rough shape, but it still exists. Right. But where did the miniature Patchmobile end up? These are unsolved mysteries of Santa Claus the movie. Yeah. I want a miniature Patchmobile. Back to the minute that sudden boost catches Patch off guard and he sits back down and adjusts his elf cap. Oh! Oh! see that miniature Patchmobile again flying into the city. Next, we hear Santa's, I wrote down Santa's theme song. I guess that music <laughs> could 
constitute a Santa's theme song at this point. Yeah, I would say so. As the sleigh flies towards New York City. Now this next shot is pretty cool. We're getting like an upward, like you are a bystander on the ground type POV shot. Mm -hmm. The building is one we have seen previously in this movie. This exact shot is what we have seen previously in this movie. Same exact shot. So, you know, we've deduced that this is a matte painting that they've used for this. I think we, we, we came up with that in the last time we saw it. But this is the exact same shot we saw back in minute 55. I was going to ask you if those are the same two windows that were lit up last Christmas when Joe and Santa were at this house. Yes. Those lights and all of the other lights on all of the other buildings are all lit up exactly the same. You could put this one right on top of the other one and you would not know but a part of what makes this shot cool is that you see from the ground underneath the patch mobile the patch is just delivered to this particular house and his vehicle is flying off of the roof and you can see a rare underneath shot of the patch mobile from a distance mm-hmm. i thought that was pretty neat and then as patch exits the frame who flies in from the other side of the frame to land on that roof Yeah, you have Santa coming in right behind him. Patch obviously isn't too concerned about noise. That that Patchmobile engine, when it's taking off, is pretty loud. You think it'd be waking up people all over the city. You heard the like... (laughs) (laughs) According to the book, that is a rocket car. Like a rocket-powered car. Santa was delivering presents to the world as normal. But Patch's rocket car was faster leaving a puce-colored cloud of smoke ahead of Santa everywhere he went. Oh, I don't see that in the movie. No, I don't see it in the movie either, but apparently in the book, the car left like this trail of puce-colored smoke behind it. So it was like coloring the sky puce as it's going from house to house. And Patch was always one to three houses ahead of Santa all night. According to the book. Not in this case. Yeah, the timing is totally off. You know, we've discussed it multiple times, but the timing for this is, it doesn't make sense with the series of events in the movie. So. I have to give the author of the book credit for at least trying to explain how Patch is making the time to deliver all these presents because his rocket car can move faster than Santa's sleigh. Right. Though you don't really see that in the movie and it's not explained at all in the movie. No. Nobody says, Patch doesn't say to Beezy, this will go even faster than Santa's sleigh. That, yeah. That it, is a horrible impression, yeah. but. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. That was just you not using your voice. That wasn't an impression of anyone. <laughs> I, I cannot do a Dudley Moore impression. Now, this is something I have in my notes that the book probably doesn't address. Leaving aside the speed of how Patch can do this all in one night, Mm -hmm. exactly like Santa. Santa has the fact that he's the chosen one and all this Christmas magic on his side. Patch just has the Patchmobile. Right. But how does Patch even know where to deliver all these puce pops? I have no idea. Santa delivers to places where kids have wrote to him, and he has Dooley and a whole team of mailroom elves keeping track of this. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So how does how does Patch know where all the Santa stops are? I have no idea. I have no idea. There is no, uh, there's nothing like that in the book to explain to you how Patch knows where to go. Other than maybe over the, you know, thousand years they've been delivering, he just kind of knows, like, from being at the elf village. And he just knows where the kids live, which is kind of creepy. But I don't know... (laughs) I don't know how he knows where to go. You'd think he'd want to follow Santa, not the other way around. You're like, I'm going to follow you, Santa, so I know where to deliver stuff. (laughs) So now we're about to see Santa again. Mm -hmm. And I guess I never made the connection until watching this minute again that the living room that he is in this Christmas is the same exact living room he was in last year with joe this is the hispanic or latino family with the little boy who wanted a fishing pole for christmas see santa Uh we've established santa delivers to so many children he doesn't even have time to memorize their names (laughs) right he does in the book he does remember because santa claus entered the familiar surroundings of one or more home this one home that he remembered quite vividly from last christmas the home of the boy who wanted a fishing rod. It was also the first home he had visited with Joe at his side. But tonight, his memory of the happy moment was marred by the knowledge of what had followed that last Christmas Eve, culminating in what had happened to him in home after home tonight. I want you to pause right there, because I don't know if the book is going to reveal the answer to this next question that I have. Okay. We see Santa. He has his magical Santa sack, or his unnecessary second sack, as we called it. Mm -hmm. And he is pulling out a gift for this boy. It is wrapped. It's a wrapped present with a big red bow. Yeah. And it looks like it's round and flat. Yeah. And I have some guesses here of what it could be, and I didn't know if the book even uh, addresses this at all. Um... (laughs) My my options are the kid could have asked for a plate, a (laughs) steering wheel... Or a very large frisbee. Do you have any uh, guesses, or does the book shed any light on what this present Santa is putting under the tree could be? Uh, no, it does not say what it could be. But um, could it be like a like a large tennis racket of some sort? Well, no, I don't think it's a tennis racket. I'm wondering if it's a heart. You know, um, it really looks like you know on Valentine's Day you have those hearts heart boxes of chocolate for valentine's day that's exactly what it looks like wrapped up in christmas paper oh yeah you're right i see it now it's not like a perfectly round circle like i thought it was at first yeah it does look like a box of valentine's candy yeah but if you skip ahead like a couple seconds you can see that that is not the only present he has put down. He has put down another present as well. So there's more than one child getting presents at this house. I don't see another. It's in the bottom right-hand corner. You can see the green wrapping paper. It's oh, right... yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like a, yeah. It's more of like a square corner. Yeah. Than the rounded corner of the Valentine's candy that Santa yeah. is delivering. Like, I got these on clearance last year. Well, it could be, you know, some sort of a, a, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. I don't know what is 
heart-shaped, you know, that is not a heart. <laughs> I, I mean, know. I was leaning towards my large frisbee, but now it, now I see it's not uh, nice and round, not totally round as I first thought it was. Yeah. I don't know what it could be. Maybe it's a puzzle. Maybe it's like a heart-shaped puzzle. So it, it looks like Santa has already put one present down, and he put yeah. the rounded-edged present, the heart candy, down. Mm-hmm. And it looks like now is when he finally noticed. He catches a glimpse of it, and then he he looks he looks kind of shocked. He's like, "What?" He looks like he just walked into a murder scene or something. <laughs> yeah, the eye line doesn't really match up to where it is under the tree, you know, from in the next shot. But we'll we'll overlook that. Okay, I was going to say he should have seen this pop the first time yeah. he put down this other present. Yeah, it um. We'll over we'll overlook the fact that he didn't notice when the first one was closer, but you know, he's old, he's tired, he's mopey, you know. So even though he's seen the commercial on TV and knew puce pops are going to be a factor into this evening, he mm-hmm. still is look totally shocked and concerned at the sight of this puce pop. Okay, so in the book we have a little bit of of what's going through what's happening i can't really say fully going through his mind but it's kind of what's happening he pulled a gift out of his sack almost absently and carried it to the place beneath the tree but as he reached to set it down he froze as he as his gaze fell on something already waiting there it was yet another tiny present wrapped in patchwork paper narrow and thin and only about four inches long so the size is a little different in the movie, but it's probably just so that we can see it in the movie, you know. Santa stared at it, moving closer, mesmerized by the sight like someone hypnotized by a snake. It certainly didn't look like much. Could it really be so wonderful? He had put out his hand, reaching for it, and then pulled back somehow unwillingly to actually touch its ri- the rival's tiny present. The rival's tiny present. So he dropped his present and he went off into the next house. Yeah, the book really, uh, the book really makes clear that Santa's just uh, not into it this year. He's a little half-heartedly mm-hmm. delivering the presents this year. The odd part is that uh, I thought this would be the first puce pop he encountered this evening. <laughs> Has he been making this look at every puce pop he's seen? <laughs> Well, from what the way I read it in the book is that he's been kind of just going through the motions, not really paying attention to what's around him. You know, like he's he's been because it says that he saw yet another. You know what I mean? Like it's like it almost just kind of clicked on him in this particular house because this house has meaning to him, you know, that he kind of like snapped out of it and was like, oh, I wonder what. It is, you know, like he's just kind of, he's been delivering in a fog. Yeah, he's been on autopilot. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you know, we all do that. Like you're just kind of driving along, you know, a routine route that you drive all the time. And then all of a sudden something snaps you out of it. And you're like, oh. (laughs) So before we leave this nice shot of the package Puce Pop, we, we, we have to talk about the packaging of the pop actually before we get to the pop okay i just want to mention how there is a slight difference in this family's home 
Did they rearrange? What's the they difference? They changed a little bit. So uh, the last time we were at this house, I mean, we dissected this room, you know, apart. Like, all the different decorations and whatnot that they have. This year, one year later, um, they have rearranged slightly. That phrase that they had on the wall from that Bible verse. Oh, yeah. I don't see no it. No longer there. It's not in the same location, at least. They could have moved it to another location. Um, the shrine that they have, it was a shrine, I think is what we called it. I'm not really sure what it was. Or like a memorial of some memorial. sort. Memorial, yeah, yeah. The memorial that they had on the uh, mantle is still there. It's moved a little, but it's still there. And the Feliz Navidad sign is actually on the mirror in this minute. And it was next to it when we saw it a year ago and their lamps that they have next to the couch on either side of the couch. Cause they had one on both sides uh, are not there anymore. So they got rid of those lamps and um, they have moved a chair around their Santa decoration. That's on their bookshelf over by their Christmas tree in minute 55 is not on the bookshelf in uh, this current minute. So they've taken that away as well. And the stockings are hung in different order. And uh, they seem to have less Santa themed decorations in minute 75 as they had in minute 55. Oh, is that a subtle mm-hmm. uh, nod? Or is that uh, subtly saying that the kids have turned against Santa I... after the disastrous christmas of 1983 <laughs> I, like I i'm getting rid of these so. santa toys i think even, yeah. even though he asked for a fishing pole I and know. didn't didn't have anything <laughs> that he would ride on maybe the patchomatic made a faulty fishing pole that snapped as soon as he went fishing maybe and he's like i, don't I am know. done with santa <laughs> i don't know but yeah they have less santa in their house than they did the previous christmas so I mean, that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. even though we bring out the same Christmas decorations every year, they're in different places. Yep. And mm-hmm. people move their furniture and stuff around over the course of a year. Yeah. So, yeah, bravo to the set designer for accurately depicting the uh, passage of time, I guess. Yes. I thought it was interesting. So going back to the packaging of the Peace yes. Pop, I find it interesting the color scheme they chose, which reminds me of the, you know, the caution black and yellow stripes that would be traditionally used on a caution nuclear or radioactive <laughs> waste barrel. Yes. Now in the in the book it says patchwork, so I'm going to assume that in full sheets, it's probably um, you know uh, squares of yellow red and green i'm also shocked that there's no bz logo no little no. cut out of bz on the packaging holding a lollipop or anything no bz branding whatsoever maybe it's on the back side of the box it's like this is from your old yeah. pal bz yeah it's gonna be on the back like i don't understand why it's wrapped the way it is like who wrapped a present like that where you get to see the the lollipop on the front like, is this just patchwork packaging like the cardboard is like this? Or was it wrapped like this, leaving a window to what was in the package? Like, why bother wrapping it if you're going to show what it is? 
Yeah, I thought it was like just the box. Like if you went to the candy store and yeah. like fancy packaging. See, because Santa in the book doesn't seem to know what it is. You know, he, he was like, what could, it, like, could it really be that wonderful? You know? Oh, yeah. He In the book, it sounds like he doesn't even realize it's a lollipop. Yeah. But in the movie, he's like, he can clearly see what it is. Yeah. So I, the book is keeping it more of a mystery than the movie did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, to well, be not fair, to us, but... yeah, not to us. Well, they just they also just saw the advertisement on TV, yeah. so that wouldn't have made sense. Like, what's in the box? Yeah. So disregard my past couple <laughs> of sentences. And before we leave this shot, another nice touch was like we know the kid here is very outdoorsy. He likes fishing, at least. So there is a present, presumably from his family, under the tree, mm-hmm. and the wrapping paper. You can see, I thought it was a platypus at first, but. I suppose it still could be a platypus, but that would be an odd choice to decorate wrapping paper with. But it looks like a duck and like a fish hopping out of like a splash of water. Yeah, there are two presents there with the the duck wrapping paper. I'm going to assume like I think there's two kids, like I said, because there's two Santa presents. And and this movie seems to think that Santa just brings one present to a kid, you know, not like a whole gaggle of presents that you see nowadays so i would assume that one present goes to the kid who has the duck wrapping paper and the other present goes to the kid who has the red floral is that floral wrapping paper or a snowman i can't tell (laughs) i can't tell in my shot i can't tell but why did patch only deliver one puce pop if there are two kids in this house Patch doesn't know who lives there. That's true. He's just guessing. I picture Patch. He's just pressing his face up against every window in the world. Any kids in here? He's just popping in and out of each house like, oh, yep, kid, plop. Oh, yep, kid, plop. Because, yeah, we did. The movie did establish that Patch, at least, with no explanation whatsoever, does possess the poofing ability of Santa Claus. Right. Which we've ranted about many times. So that's how he's getting in and out of each house. Yes. I was trying to t- tell if they had like a puce colored light in their window, but I don't see one. Yeah, I, I'm not seeing it. So we get another shot of Santa like recoiling back after yeah. he leaned in to look at the the rival present. <laughs> he still looks super concerned. Yeah. So now I just picture him going from house to house and making that expression at every pew spot. I don't think so. I think it's just it that just one. Ha- it, it, it just clicked. It finally clicked. Yeah. He's, he's been seeing it in every house and not thinking much of it. But now it's like, oh. Yeah. So now we see another familiar face mm-hmm. sitting on a rooftop. So I have, now, before we get going <laughs> on this. <laughs> every time I try to move on, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I got something else to add. (laughs) So between the time Santa leaves that other house and he gets to Joe, he has a conversation with his reindeer. Okay. Is it a mopey conversation? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The whole minute is mopey. Mopey Santa. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. You ready for this? Struggling to keep up his flagging spirits. He shouted to the reindeer the words he desperately needed to hear himself. Well, don't let it get you down, boys. It's 
still our night, all right? He looked down across the nighttime landscape, which had always filled him with such pleasure. There's still all the beautiful trees and the windows welcoming us with their red and green. And he broke off suddenly. Oh. Down below, colored lights winked and flickered as they always had. But tonight, they were all one color. Puce. Looking up and away to the south, he saw that even the Empire State Building was not wearing its traditional holiday crown of red and green, but shone with some lurid pinkish purple glow. BZ had succeeded in reaching new heights of crass exploitation. Now that is something we definitely do not see in the movie. I could... That would make Santa's mopiness a little more understandable if there yeah. were, like, big patch billboards everywhere. Everything was lit up puce because BZ put all this marketing blitz into this New York test market. Yeah. As we discussed last week, how this is how I would have explained away the holes in the logic of Patch's delivery system. Yeah. But, yeah, like, big inflatable patch, wavy thing, you know? Everywhere mm. Santa looks down below, it's patch, patch, puce pop, puce pop. And then he's starting to feel pretty bummed. Mm-hmm. But in this minute, as it plays out, you know, Santa's just being a sad sack for no reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or not much of a reason, I should say. Right. He's I just... Mean, he, in the movie, it just seems like he just misses patch. Like, that's it. End of story. You know what I mean? Not, e- not even seeing Joe, his old pal Joe, perks him up at all. At least in yeah. this minute. So yeah. Joe catches a glimpse of Santa. He's sitting on like a perch or a stoop or something on this rooftop. Mm-hmm. And he catches a glimpse of Santa. And he hops off the perch and starts jumping around, waving around. You can really see how tattered and ratty his clothes are when he's jumping around trying to get Santa's attention. Yeah, well, I mean, it has been three, what is this, the third Christmas? So, no, I guess it's only the second. The second Christmas. But I yeah, mean, the, this he's- This is a, Christmas number two that yeah. we've been with Joe. So he's he's growing, you know, he's a growing boy living in the same clothes on the streets for a full year. They should They've, have given him like one size smaller of a jacket. Yeah. So, like, he's grown, but you can see his arms. The sleeves are uh, too short now. Yeah. The jacket's too tight. Joe waves his hat in the air and says, Santa! Santa! At least somebody down there likes me. And then here comes Mopey Santa coming in for a landing, and he says, and then the sleigh comes in for a very slow landing on this rooftop. And Santa... It's like Santa's... in slow motion. <laughs> and Santa's still acting like the reindeer are coming in too quick. He's like, easy yeah. boys, easy, <laughs> easy boys. Easy boys, easy now, easy boys. So yeah, Santa doesn't, definitely doesn't seem like his old self when he's going, easy boys, easy boys. No, he doesn't. But we do see a glimpse of the return of the real reindeer as they we land do. on the roof. And our minute cuts off midway through one of Santa's easy boys. Easy, boy. <laughs> and that's all I got for this minute. Nothing like mopey Santa this week. I know. He's so sad and distraught. Poor guy. He's been delivering presents for eons, and then all of a sudden he has one bad Christmas and the world gives up on him. Ah, poor guy. I understand 
that he gave away faulty toys. But he gave them away. It's not like he sold them. You know what I mean? They were free. Like, talk about being spoiled humans. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, BZ's giving away these things that Patch is working on. But but Santa is still giving away free toys. Like, everyone's giving away things for free. Why are people so judgmental on Santa when you're getting this stuff for free? I mean, to play devil's advocate here, Santa... Santa's response to the situation was to do absolutely nothing. Well, I mean, true. He doesn't have a very good PR company, but just saying. He should have listened to Dooley and put out a statement. Yes. But we've ranted about that enough. We won't go down that <laughs> chimney again. I'm going to keep going down it because it bothers me. <laughs> but yeah, that would have been cool to see everything puce. Everybody's yeah. hyped up for Patch. Yeah. I don't know why they don't even show the Empire State Building. I don't think at all in this minute. Well, maybe is that the Empire State Building? It looks like it's just white lights. So like it doesn't even look like it's Christmas in this shot of Patch flying out of BZ's hangar. Like it's winter, but there are no Christmas any any lights or anything anywhere. So if I had to play script doctor to this thirty-six-year-old movie, like we have been. <laughs> That's yeah. what we do on this show. That's what people tune in for. I would have had Patch and BZ start their advertising blitz, like maybe like uh, right after Thanksgiving or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Get mm-hmm. people all hyped up and yeah. see people really getting excited for Patch, and then like headlines saying the new Santa. Yeah. You know, instead of just going on TV at eight thirty at night on Christmas Eve. Yeah, that was a horrible, horrible ad campaign i mean i understand that it was created by patch you know he wanted christmas eve or whatever but that makes zero sense you know how do people get hyped up by seeing one little commercial from 8 to 801 on christmas eve you know what i mean like nobody's gonna get hyped up for that they're gonna be like oh whatever and then click it you know I mean, like, maybe maybe a lot of people weren't even watching TV on yeah. Christmas. Even just wake up the next day like, what the heck's this? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Zero sense. It would have given BZ something more to do. It's like, leave yeah. the advertising to me, son. Yeah, you know. And then he like, just goes overboard because he's so greedy. Right. Yeah. He should have definitely been, like, peppering the TV commercials for a month. You know, like toy companies really do. Like, that's something that they normally do. It wouldn't be over the top. So by the time Christmas Eve has come, everybody is psyched. Everybody yeah. lit up puce. Empire State Building's lit up puce. There's patch on every billboard. I mean, uh, to be honest. <laughs> if... <laughs> <laughs> now, let's think. So Christmas Eve is when everybody learned about the puce pop. Learned about the puce color. How did they, did the Empire State Building <laughs> at 8 p.m. at New York on Christmas, it is dark already. All of the lights would already have been on. So did everybody just be like 801, they ran out and they took down all of their red and green. The Empire State Building changed colors at 802 
it'd be like, oh no, we don't want Santa, we want puce. Well, that's in the book. The book that this part isn't canon because there are no puce lights in the. You movie. cannot pick and choose. I can. It's not what's on. What's going to be canon? It's not in the movie. It didn't happen. No, you have said many a times things are canon because they're in the book. You're like, oh, that's canon because it's in the but book. The, but but here so the book is going. But here, but here the book is going against what is on screen in the movie. So the movie trumps the book in this case. We don't case. know that. We don't see the Empire State Building. <laughs> I'm going to leave in that big long silence of you not being able to respond to me. Is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap it up this week? No, but I want some people to write in and explain how they feel on this whole scenario. That's what I want, because we need someone to buffer this debate. We need you guys to help us. So you can reach us at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. <laughs> I mean, you raise a good, I mean, you, you raise a good point if, uh, be, well, I guess you could explain it as, you know, that's part of BZ's advertising campaign in the New York area. Right. It's like they already had the Pew stuff installed. Mm. It's like after the ad airs Towser, it's going to light up puce all over the city. Maybe, but we don't know that. <laughs> I'm just trying to. <laughs> because, yeah, you also. Trying to make it all make because sense. Because you also have to remember that this was in 1984. They didn't have LED changing lights that you could just control from anyone's living room lighting up the Empire State Building. Well, maybe that's why BZ wasn't at the TV studio. He was busy running around New York City changing yeah, he was all running... the lights to Pews. <laughs> well, he was, yeah, he was just running around the city, make sure everything was installed correctly. Maybe. And, and he had to take a break at the townhouse mm-hmm. to catch the ad on television. Make sure Mrs. Tucker didn't have any red or green showing out the window. So if you have anything to add to this conversation... <laughs> You can email us, SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all the social medias, including Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And do we have a Santa by the Minute TikTok yet? No, we don't. We should, though. I've, I've mentioned this, but I haven't gotten, I've, I haven't gotten around to it. <laughs> so anyway, we are at Santa Minute on those, by the way. Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes. For free!